Hey, Gloucester. Good morning, and welcome back to Fish Town Local. Well, part of the MO for this show is to try to locate the jewels in the crown of Gloucester. Sometimes Gloucester hides some of its most interesting people, from T.S. Eliot and Duncan Nelson to Walker Hancock, and my guest today, Skip Haddon. Hi, Skip. How you doing, Gordy? All right. I'm determined not to do all the talking. First, <laughs> tell me a question that people always get asked on this show. How did you get to Gloucester? Uh, it was a fluke. Um, my wife had come back on a red eye from doing oh, the, the stuff for the um, people that made the rocket fuel for uh, NASA, one of our clients, because she has a management consulting company. And she said, I can't do it. I can't go and do today. I'm taking a day off. And I played my only day of hooky from school because <laughs> uh, I, I teach at Berkeley. So it was like, okay. So we got in the car and we drove up here. And I, when she had been gone, I drove around and found all these different places we could be by the water because, well, the long story of this is we lived in Brookline I had lived before that on my boat. I lived at the Charles River Yacht Club on a, a 36-foot Grand Banks in the summer and then in the winter at, at shipyard quarters. And then we moved from Brookline. We moved to uh, Sherborne to a place, really nice woods and all that kind of stuff, but I couldn't even smell the ocean. <laughs> so it was like, Well, they no, have a big pond there. Yeah, but that, uh, that doesn't smell the same. My aunt lives there. That's how yeah. I know. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, and so I said, no, we got to do something about this. So while she was gone on that trip, I started scoping stuff out up here. And, uh, and I found some places and we went and she said, no, no, I'm, you know, none of these make it. And so I stopped at uh, Ipswich. There was a place you'd get newspapers and stuff, and I bought the newspaper, and there's this interesting ad for a place, a unique place in Gloucester on Eastern Point. And I went, where's that? Yeah. So we went and checked it out, and that was it. That is, and, and you know, that's really one of the only places on Eastern Point where you could come and slide in as a renter like that, because so many people own their own homes, and they live there, yeah. even if it's year around. He's my cousin, you know. Yes, I know. Tony Bryant, yeah. Yes, there's lots of cousins and yeah. family stuff connections. <laughs> it's a nest there. of cousins. Well, when the house is Williams and Williamson, mm -hmm. two different families marrying into each other. Right. They were, in fact, the head of the New York Central Railroad. Right. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, the the father, but he died in mm -hmm. the, uh, probably the 50s or something. And then the, the other connection was the Shroom Williams that's exactly company. right. Yeah. And that was the other side, Ted Williams, but right. not the ballplayer. Right. So and you got to wake up on a boat in the Boston metro area and go to Berkeley every morning? Yeah, I would walk to school across the awesome. bridge. You know. Talk about an ideal. Talk about perspective, for one thing. Well, that had come about because I was supposed to teach at Berkeley in, they asked me in 75 when Alan Dawson left. And I was, I did the uh, jazz album of the year. Wow. That year. And I, I wasn't ready to like. Okay, let's back up teach. for a second. Jazz album of the year for Weather Report? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so I was on Mysterious Traveler. And in fact, Joe Zawin, who always called me the Mysterious Traveler. <laughs> Nobody great, knew who the hell I great was. Great name for your album or yeah. your autobiography. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like that, still like that. Who is that guy? Yeah. So 
then in 78, it was supposed to come again. And I was, oh, okay, this is more like it. I'll come up there. And I, I sold my car. I gave up my gigs and everything to come to Boston. And then they sent me a letter like 10 days before I was supposed to start that said they changed their mind. Oh. And so I went, oh, bleep, <laughs> you know. And so my brother-in-law at the time was the, a vice president of Aetna Insurance. So he said, well, you need to do something. So uh, I sold him my car. <laughs> and I took this job that he set up for me, and I managed this island that was being turned into a resort. Where? In Lake Erie. Oh. And it was on a place called Rattlesnake Island. It's but you eight- did that from here. No, no, no. No, I, you had to I go lived, out. I lived oh, there. This, this is before is I got here. This pre-Gwen, yes, obviously. Yes, yes, yes. Well, that's, we only have a half hour. So <laughs> so uh, I went and did that for a year and lived on that 85-acre island. Wow. And I had all my drums and all my stuff, right? And the only place, the only way to get on and off of that was either boat or plane. And so that's when I got my pilot's license <laughs> together because it was an airstrip that I was in charge of also. So it turned out to be a great, great adventure. Something oh my that, God. and would you rent a plane or you just? Uh, I didn't play at all. I played just at the house. No, no. Did you rent a plane to get? Back oh yeah, and yeah, forth yeah. And yeah. Well, they, that was how you got back and yeah. forth to get groceries. I mean, you, you know, you'd fly yourself though. I could, yeah, wow. but not at the beginning. Yeah, but well, you had to earn it. Yeah, yeah. So before I started, uh, they would come and pick me up first light, and I would go do flying, learn flying. Yeah. V- you were VFR, right? Visual right, flight yeah. rules. Single yeah. engine land. Yeah. yeah. My mother had a bonanza. Mm. And so she tried to dragoon me into learning. Mm. But when the plane would tip sideways, I was one of those people. I couldn't tell up from down. I, well, that's the case for most people. I think mo- it is because you'd be sitting there. But she actually didn't. She could, even if her flight, her artificial horizon was not, she wouldn't look at it. She could tell. Well, you know, that's a good, yeah. good gene to have. Mm. Well, it didn't work for those people that were flying the 737 Maxes. Wow. So how did, yeah, oh, my God, yeah, I don't want to laugh about that. But uh, so how did you get back from Lake Erie? Oh, I, when that was over then, I went and did, I, I got other, I went and started Because it's playing. a successful resort now? It's actually a, a private island that they sell lots on and all that oh, kind of stuff. But okay. it was, you know, it was a, a, a restaurant and all that kind of stuff. So it was like a learning experience for me because uh, I was only organized about putting the drums together. Yeah. But it, it worked out. Yeah. And then, um, the, again, it came up for 82. And I played a bunch of gigs and did different stuff, including back in New York with my friends, Kenny Werner and Ratso Harris and Michael Boshin and guys like that. How did you know all them? I knew them from playing at a place for, it was my college education. Gotcha. I played at, it was in Cleveland, and I was in the house band uh, for four years. As drum, drum muster. Drum, yeah, drummer. but yeah. it was cool because it didn't make any money, but I played the opening acts for Herbie Hancock, Pharaoh Sanders, all different oh kinds of God. acts. And it was a great opportunity to really hear, and, and I did sound when yeah. I wasn't playing, so it was like, I had to get that together. And then from playing the opening acting, guys were very helpful and friendly and gave me other gigs. So I Yeah, because the networking is such a part of it, that. It, yes. It's who you yeah. know, and yeah. they, they enjoyed what I was doing, and I was really trying to play my best every set. And, I mean, if you're going to go up and 
open for like somebody like Herbie Hancock or yeah. Les McCann oh, or jeez. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the thing went on for oh. four years. Every week was oh. a different, yeah, act with different acts. So. Uh, and when you're not in New York, per se, people are more open to meeting other musicians. It's a looser kind of thing, isn't it? I mean, Right, because Ohio. they're not on their home turf. Yeah. And because also, later on, when I yeah, went to New York, yeah. it was kind of like, who are you? Plus, they're also open to new experience. In New York, they already, yeah, that's a piece of right, psychological turf. Right, and you're encroaching on their space wow. when you go there, even though they know you. So what caused you to so I, I went After that, I did go to New York, and I was there for a couple years. And uh, and then I went to do that island thing, and then okay, so it was a long, convoluted, circular path. But when I went to Berkeley, and I've been there since '82, so it's now what 37 years. How'd you get to the gig at Berkeley? And when I was playing at a a big club that wasn't a really jazz place or anything, but I played. It was a place called the French Quarters, and it was uh, singers, dancers, comedians, that kind of thing. Oh, okay. And, and uh, also, I played the burlesque, one of the last burlesque wow. houses in, in the country. And it was like eight hours a day, seven days a week, and a midnight show on, on Sunday, on Saturday. On With the strippers, show. too? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all kinds of acts snakes, balloons, melons, God. all kinds of stuff. <laughs> We can't go there. We can't go there. But the drummer is especially important for strippers. And when when I was doing that, it was on the third floor, and you took a little elevator like a speakeasy up out of a bar, and they had a speaker on the street. And this drummer that was in town playing Pickwick at the theater, who was a drummer, his name is Joe Hunt, and he's kind of like the guy that brought me to Boston. But he had played with Gary Burton and Bill Evans. Nice. And he's on that box yeah. set with Bill Evans. He's a great drummer. And he heard what I was doing, warm-up music for these acts, because yeah, we got yeah. to play like two tunes. Right. He happened to catch that. He came up, and I had him sit in and play, and we were friends. That's 67. Yeah, in the warm-up act, the band gets to be the band. Right. You don't like have to be the two backers. tunes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then everybody goes... What are these guys doing? Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, how'd you get the drums up in the little elevator? You stack them in a... Oh, you went up the back with uh, stairs. Carried them up. Three stairs. Three flights. Three flights. Yeah, it's very I've been there. wide, though. Yeah. Kind of oh. like the regatta bar. Yeah. They do oh. the same kind of yeah. thing. They have a freight elevator, though. So, um, Yeah, so it went... Uh, and so we've been friends ever since. And then later... And he was went early 70s, 69, 70s, started teaching at Berkeley. And so... Misery loves company. That's a natural. So he yeah. asked me to come up and we can hang out. So I, I eventually did. Oh, that's great. And Lee Burke heard you in Haji, or the drummer Alan Dawson was running the department, wasn't he? No, Gary Chief, he was. Oh, okay. Yeah, Alan never really ran it. Okay. I took one lesson with Alan. He handed me off, uh, and, and I knew that would happen. He said, I want to hear you. I want to work with you. And then Gene Roma, if you remember. Gene. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but he's still out in Providence. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There you go. Mm-hmm. But then I had to go down to Cohasset for some of the lessons. That's oh, a long the... way from Gloucester for an hour drum lesson. Yeah. <laughs> and back. Well, yeah, the only three or four hour trip to spend 60 minutes yeah. with someone. No, yeah, I've been... It's been worse, but I want to back up. When you did the jet fuel, when Gwen uh, consulted on that, did that ever end up, that fuel, on one of the famous uh, rocket oh, launches? Or? Yeah, no no, you'd idea. never know. No. You'd never ever say, like, okay, was like Apollo if, 13. If you, buy, yeah. if you buy gas at the station, yeah. where is that from? Did, where does it go? And exactly. it comes in this big truck, yeah. Yeah. 
So when you were on Jazz Album of the Year, was Alex Acuna the drummer and you were the percussionist, or you were? No, this was before those guys. So you were the drummer. Yeah, this is uh, three years before that. Wow. Oh, that is fantastic. But I had been the percussionist on a lot of those things at that club. So a lot of people thought I was the percussionist. Yes. I did a lot of drum things as well. So it was like one of, oh, you're playing percussion on that thing? Yeah. No. And it's kind of unusual, that recording, because... The uh, there's two drum set players on it, which is kind of what happened in fusion music at the time. Yeah, but there we're playing two different subdivisions of groove. So the, at the time, is there's a couple different layers that's in that. So I'm playing this thing that's like four times the speed of what he's playing. Oh my god! But the idea, and yeah. w- I did it live, was to get it to work, because they had brought me there because. Um, Roy McCurdy, who was the drummer with Cannonball Laterally, told him that uh, I was the guy to bring for energy. Wow, you really bridged a lot of the old jazz world into what is sort of the modern, not modern, but uh, today's jazz world or yesterday's yeah. jazz world. Yeah. But Cannonball Laterally, he is back there. And he was he was really <laughs> he was really great. Oh. We used to hang out in the breaks oh. and talk and find out about this is yeah. part of the history stuff of like going to school, that's what I meant. It was That was my college education, so I would oh, find totally. out. Oh, totally. And so it turned out I opened with, played with Sonny Stitt and Lou Donaldson oh, and all these guys that were from. We actually put Sonny Stitt on the cover of Musician, our second issue. Yeah. But it was, it was more for education readers in yeah. those days. And so for me, it was really an opening thing because I started the jazz stuff in, actually in 62, I had been in a band. I, you know, I knew we were going to get together, and I had, was looking up stuff that, <laughs> yeah. that I had done. I was like, "Geez, I didn't realize it was sixty years ago." But I was in a band when I was in high school, and they're in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So yeah, yeah, I know. Who? So it's like crossing styles. So yeah. it's like who, who was the band? R- Ricky Vac and the Rockaways. So you have to in go in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah. What was their hit? Uh, there was never a hit. But they got in. So it's more Mysterious Traveler kind of thing. Who is that guy? Yeah. So uh, it's in the local legend section. I gotcha. Okay. And uh, it's that kind of thing. But I was also, for a minute, in a band called The Outsiders. They did Time Won't Let Me. These kinds of things you can do. One hit wonder. Time Won't Let Me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And you're on that cut? No, no, no. My foot is on the cover. They removed me in that. Come on. Danny Benson ended up doing it. He became a uh, forest ranger. But, you know. (laughs) <laughs> Cannonball Adderley was it mercy 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 yeah but uh, said, I had met him in the water or? Uh, ooh 10 years before yeah when Charles Lloyd was in the band and you've seen with, you've seen them all <laughs> yeah and, with them and, all. Uh, and Joe Zawinu was in that band also yeah. so when later on when I played with Joe Zawinu I told him about that I knew him from when and where yeah and I had actually photos of it at that time period, they had a photographer in the club, and he would come around and take pictures of you and your whoever you're with at the table. Yeah. And they would go away, and before you left, they'd come back in a little frame, give you the picture, and would cost you... Ten oh, bucks, sir. Yeah. Yeah, something like yeah. that. Even then. Which that in, that, in those days was a lot more money. So I paid this guy to take <laughs> pictures of the band. He was like, really? Yeah. So I had pictures of Charles Lloyd and Joe Zone, and I, I sent it to those guys. I sent it to yeah. uh, Charles Lloyd's Do you wife. still have any of them, or...? The photos? The frame photos, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. you got, oh, that's great. Yeah, I'm great. It's not quite... Uh, 
They should be up where you have your wall of percussion instruments. There should be paint, you know, the little photos in between them all, don't you? Know? Yeah, well, I thought it would mean more to the people that were in them. No, oh, totally. Oh, yeah. And so then uh, Anthony Zawanu is an, uh, one of Joe's sons. He's yeah. putting the, the bio documentary of, together about that. So I don't know when it'll ever be done. But uh -huh. that, that Is Joe alive? No, no. I didn't think he, he was. He died five years ago. Yeah. Well, you were playing with him in the 80s, were you? So no, no, no. I only did that recording. Okay. Wow. So, yeah, it was that. Oh. I was there 10 days. Wow. We actually, musician used to go to the NAM shows. Uh, you ever go to a NAM show? Yeah. They were insane, but uh, especially the West Coast ones. Yeah, the one in Anaheim. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. And uh, But we actually had Joe Zawinall play, but it was with L.A. players at that point. And uh, he just played a concert for dealers and advertisers, and they oh. loved it. Oh, yeah. And he was great, and it was... I'm trying to think who played with him. It was somebody else who was great, like Robin Ford, uh, except not with Joe. He played open for Joe. Mm, okay. Might have been Tower of Power, but I don't know if we would have matched those two up. I don't know. It's a lot of logistics. I mean, to yeah, get and also Tower of Power is like huge. Yeah. So, the, the, yeah. So it, it's kind of weird because when I was thinking about it, it's, it goes back like quite a ways. I mean, I, I started with Ralph Pace when I was seven. Ralph Pace is a like, forgotten name now, but early on in the drum world, he was a big name because he made these practice pads. And he also played. Oh, I think and I've heard of those. Ralph yeah, Pace they were these yeah. neoprene things yeah. with, like a drum setup, but they made no noise, kind of like what pads are now. Yeah, right. And so he, was in the, he had all this media stuff in magazines and... I mean, they, you know, there was no earphones like they later went to all that. Oh, no, but that no was, you didn't need them. No, that was not until yeah. the yeah. costs ones came out in the mid-60s. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, the uh, game, the sort of rock and roll video game craze came and went, and my kid had a wonderful set of almost like uh, Roland oh, yeah. electronic drums, except they weren't. They were put out by the cheap company. And then, of course, they all moved on to bigger and better things. And he left those. They're wonderful practice because you got a foot pedal. Oh, and yeah. you can yeah. practice on the things. Well, and now they have the same thing for cymbals, too. That's right. You but they're actually cymbals that are yeah. quiet. Well, these things were not... I mean, yeah, they were probably electronic, but I just use them in the room because yeah. they allow you to go around the set. You yeah, know, the the problem with those is that it caused a lot of problems for people's muscular oh, development because oh, of the response from it. That's board. right, because the response is going to be a little oh, it's faster, way different. a little bouncier, a little yeah, yeah. yeah. And you don't get Shorter paid stroke. for playing yeah. pads. No, you did in uh -huh. the '80s, but yeah. then that was the same yeah. thing. And there was never the sock of a real drum. Where, well, it depends on what you sampled. So yeah. a lot of the things you hear now is yeah. the acoustic thing mixed with other sounds and other sounds rather than the shotgun in a bucket that, yeah that was the shotgun in the bucket that was <laughs> yeah that well there was a, a time where they were trying to paper us over drummers and, yeah everybody uh, thought it was the didn't end last of that long though to be honest there was a time when it was everywhere well and then we, how about the drum machines well that's what well I that was yeah. the problem it yeah. was everybody thought their job was over because they could have a program yeah. man four thousand bucks for a yeah. limb and that was in the 80s. I mean, right. that was early 80s. Yeah, and then they got it so it could actually feel like something. And yeah. It's, that sort of thing is still being done now, but yeah. the control is much better. And, of course, the, the players that run those, John Robinson, guys like that, that yeah. are so great at that, yeah, yeah. Um, are able to make things feel really good, make it feel as good as they John they Robinson play played with 
um, Robin Ford when we had him at that show. Oh, okay. Because I remember yeah. he was yeah. just great. He was yeah. so tasty. Yeah, well, he, he studied with Alan Dawson. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Oh. And, but, but John's thing is he could, he has such great touch and time that the joke is that they would come in, have, he would have them come into the studio and tell them we need something at about 111 beats per minute. Right. And we need it at on a scale dynamically of, a MIDI thing runs from 0 to 128, and we needed it at 126. And uh, then it would say, well, can you do that? And then they would leave and go to lunch, and they'd come back, and he'd God. still be right there playing that tempo at that volume. God. So the details thing. He's uh, done four different but that's things sort of, in my office I don't office want to say it's now. unpleasant, but it's sort of taking uh, the essence of playing where you get that vibe off the band. Yeah, but, yeah, but he can do it live. I mean, yeah. he did the, the stuff in Switzerland, the live stuff with... Uh, Montreal or... Quincy Jones with that stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So now, how did that play. lead... It, was it the Berkeley Connection that led you to demoing and becoming a worldwide tourer for... Was it Yamaha? Yeah. 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 Yamaha, a Zildjian... Um, Lenny DiMuzio! Yeah, well, he's been long gone. I yeah. know, long gone. But I remember, hey, Gordon, hey. He's the one that really got me using the word cat. Because yeah. everybody with this cat talking to that cat. Yeah. Like, and so them and Evans and uh, LP. All your, And then oh. Hudson Music. Oh. Uh, those are all with, uh, and still, not. Yeah, no not Remo anymore, Belly? No, because <laughs> um, my connection, we were talking about who you know. Yeah. Is that. The guys that were in the business, like when I first did my first book for CPP Bellwin, which became Warner Brothers, which is now Alfred Music, my contact guy was the same guy that brought uh, Dave Garibaldi in to do his first book, all that kind of oh. stuff. But our contact guy, besides uh, Sandy Felstein, was the guy that ran all that, was Joe uh, Testa. And he was the guy at Yamaha for oh, years. Yeah. And now he's the guy at Vic Firth. So the same guys that I started with, Almost thirty years ago or something, I'm still dealing with. Yeah, wow. And it's I think that Dave kind of Garibaldi, I don't want to say reinvented drumming, but because he was Tower of Power, wasn't he? Yes. And he did that thing with that. You know, he he parsed it down another leap. I know everybody was playing like that, but he made it so that it was, well, I don't want to say understandable. But well, I, just, I mean, still guys are still working, and he's very yeah. successful. I mean, what on, is hip is almost drum. like the building block of a whole cornerstone of California music. You know that beat he has in that thing. You know, yeah. Well, he mixed like the linear and the layered kinds yeah. of things together, and really, it it he's the only one that does it like that. Yeah. There's many guys that do one or the other. Steve Smith does a version of that, even on the Journey stuff, but it's from the same stickings. And Steve same Gadd is great too in that. Not quite as accented, but you know, it wasn't. It wasn't the mixture of those two things so yeah. much together. But he's the guy that did that after he, he left the band in 1980, and he didn't go back until 1998. Oh, yeah. So it's only been the last 20 years again that he's been in the band, and. Uh, it was all the great players. Uh, oh, I can't remember other guys at this moment yeah. who played that. Um, Have you seen? But that? they didn't play that. They played backbeat. Oh, did they? Yeah. Yes. Have yes. you seen that Tower of Power at forty? Uh, yeah, and now it's they're coming up for the fifty. I mean, they're almost better. 
Now, well, why wouldn't they be? They've been doing it for 50 years, you know? Yeah, and the but, bass player they have is a really good replacement, yeah. too, Wan Gennigan. And the singer's not bad, even though I love that, the first guy, you know? Mm-hmm. I can't remember his name, but, hey, he doesn't know my name. <laughs> well, now, let's flash forward. How did you... So you would go to Europe a lot for demos, and... Well, I do uh, drum clinics and seminarios in Italy. In Italy, uh, also, Seminarios. Okay. Uh, Spain, yeah. uh, Germany, Poland I did for 15 years and then went back again a couple of years ago. Wow. But I, I was in the Polish Jazz Society. And so they have these things that you do every year. And the Italy stuff has been great because one of my students, uh, Bruno Astazana, was the uh, percussionist in the Rye Symphony in Torino. And uh, he would come every year on his break and study. And so in 91, Gwen and I went and visited him on a vacation. And he took me around. I met all these people. And uh, that was the last time I paid to go to Europe. That is fantastic. Because well, they love jazz. I mean, and they are, they must have been so appreciative. Yeah, but this isn't about jazz. This is about drums. About drums. But they must have been so appreciative to have you in Poland and... Yeah, that was thing. about jazz. Yeah. yeah, but it gets broken down. There's, I wrote like 13 different classes that I did at Berkeley, just on drumming because wow. I was the elective lab program for many years be, because I could do it. So, yeah. and then it, as other people came in, it got parsed out to different people. Dave DeCenzo does the uh, double bass drumming one now. I did that at the beginning. Ah. And Ralph Peterson does the jazz one. Rod Morgenstein did the rock one, but he just retired. And so each one of those style ones went out to different people. Wow. Well, now, let's jump to the future. You were mentioning before that you had done with Gwen, your wife, uh, some consulting. And is that something you still do as part of your real life? Well, uh, I don't really do anything in the company anymore. I make sure that she's okay to do it. That's... But, uh, yeah, anywhere from Versailles to uh, in France to, you know, Seattle. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's all over the place. So you guys get to travel and yet to come back to Gloucester. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons that I like it here. Yeah. Uh, it's also one of the reasons that I don't really know what's going on in Gloucester or know any of the musicians here other than guys that were my students at uh, Berkeley. That's, that's probably the best way to be. Because then you get to enjoy Gloucester for what it's the best, living. Well, my friends now, are you like my neighbors and people that live in where I live and the people that I'm engaged with in these other functions? Gwen was on the board at the Shenmue Performance Center. There you go. She's the one that helped uh, put that together, the financial part to put that together. And then, uh, and so we were in with, uh, what's this, uh, David... uh, we spoke about put, uh, access for the stage and everything for the Shen Lu stuff and all that was was great. That I'm sorry, I can't remember his name. No, that's okay. Was, now, have you played stuff. there too? Uh, I did the summer uh, jazz camp thing. Oh, nice! Mm-hmm. Oh, that is great. And then guys that I work with have played there. Well, this is fantastic. Um, believe it or not, we're almost out of our time. Wow! And yeah, it goes fast. Uh, we got another couple minutes. Um, so, you know, what you said about Gloucester, I sometimes find that, like, I'm too over-involved in Gloucester. And then you get that thing where you're getting 
either annoyed, frustrated, or uh, overly opinionated. And sometimes I think it's better to just be able to live here, go out in the real world, and be real. That's the way it used to be for me when musician was here. But then, right, yeah, because you got a chance to we see close what was it going 91. on. I'm, I'm sorry, 93. Yeah. The very end of 93, so then, you know. Yeah, that was around the time when I first got here. Oh, that, yeah. But, yeah, the, the, it opens things up because now I still do that, not as much as I did before, but or they come to me. We just had, last summer I did a thing at Eastman School of Music in Rochester oh. for the China chapter of Percussive Arts Society. Yeah. And they brought 50 drummers from China to there. So I didn't even have to make that trip. That was Wow, that's great. Yeah, yeah travel to China, that must be grueling. You know, 28-hour flight or whatever. Yeah, I want that beam-me-up kind of stuff. Yeah, beam-me-up. Exactly. Well, you got it when they come to you at Eastman. That's practically yeah, beam-me-up. That is fantastic. Well, I think it is just great that you are here. And I think it's great that Tony loves this house in Arizona so that you can stay here. Yeah, and the one in uh, Taos and uh, Hawaii. Does, when he here. comes, does he come and rent a room from you, or does he no. have another place he goes no, to? No, he stays yeah. over. Uh, he did over at the Williams place, but that that's sold now. The yeah, other William. That's right. The one, yeah, exactly. His uncle. Yeah. yeah. That's right. That was the connection. That's how we're second cousins. He was my mother's first cousin. So, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Easter Point is Excuse all us while we such run the family tree. Farm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, Skip Haddon, you are great to come and great to tell your story to Gloucester. I'm not going to reveal anything more about it so people don't discover you. They can just listen. So I am looking forward to getting you back someday when you, of course, uh, inducted into the Jazz and Rock Hall of Fame. <laughs> but could be a wait for both of us. Although Musician Magazine, they're supposedly considering in a magazine category. Yeah, well, that would be great because it really served well for everybody that was into the music yeah. at the time. I used to read the magazine. Oh, I so. appreciate that. Yeah. Our problem, one of our biggest liabilities, you had to be able to read to read musician and uh, unlike some of the competition and then MTV came along that was kind of the beginning of the end of the magazine right. era and not only read but read English yeah so, well that's right yeah all right, all right Skip Haddon thank you so much for coming and you Gloucester thank you so much for listening and we will see you next time on Fishtown Local everybody dance now come on everybody get up and dance let's bring in the dancing girls all right we'll see you next time